4: This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to The Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into uh, part two of uh, today's edition of Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable on the Tom Sumner program featuring our uh, roundtable regulars, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki, longtime Genesee County Republican, Henry Hatter, joined by uh, Woodrow Stanley and uh welcome back gentlemen
2: always Thank good to you. be here
4: and my apologies I, I i just wasn't watching the clock there at the end of the uh the first hour and uh and we crashed right into the top of the hour id but um, let's let's pick it up we were talking about uh election results and, and uh Woodrow was making the observation that um very often when we talk about election tampering or cheating that uh it it revolves around Detroit if if we're talking about Michigan elections and politics. When yeah,
2: well, often often urban areas are blamed. Then I'm I'm going to offer an example going back to Illinois here. Remember when the when JFK won over over Nixon in 1960? It was in large part because of a fairly narrow win in in Illinois and a big democratic margin in chicago and people wondered why nixon didn't challenge that and the reason was he figured that the republicans downstate had done as much cheating in the other direction as as had happened in chicago and that if he had challenged it it wouldn't have changed much in the end so i mean those 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 habits are all over the place in some ways
4: wood are you still with us because yes
5: yes I, i i hey look i'm deferring to uh uh, the uh, uh, political scientist, uh, you know, my former teacher. I, I <laughs> he, he said it far better than I could.
3: I, I, I do.
5: If, if, if before you, uh, transist. Can I just quickly? Can I have a minute, please? Or yeah. Yeah. Go one, ahead, Wood. I, I, no, uh, Henry made a point early, and I just, just for the record, that I drove General Motors out of the city of Flint and i mean i've heard empty-headed comments before and, and henry also said that he you know was a great academic uh so i just you know wondered if he has any proof and, th- and before he answers do any do you two believe that it is a fact i mean because i i i, I want to find it, it if it exists
2: but i was part of the no, general no,
5: no, no, no. Staff. before you answer Okay, go ahead. That—that's not
2: my take on it. No, that's that's not my take on it.
5: Okay, I just you know,
2: as you
1: know, the General Motors and the. You
5: have an answer. uh,
1: The General Motors and the mayor's office had a great uh, traditional relationship with each other. There were only three entities that ran the city: the mayor's office, the. the, the the chamber
4: of commerce
1: and uh general motors corporation
4: well uh, i w- i would so, i would uh beg to amend uh, that list a little bit henry and and rather than the chamber they, these of commerce but the three
1: principles these, no the math foundation not uh, well that was yeah the, that's was that's three, three different foundations but and i would the, but the the i would office. add a fourth those I, were the three individual entities that i was associated with when i represented General Motors on the Chamber of Commerce.
4: I I would add a fourth. uh,
1: And and General Motors had been pondering for years. uh, If they didn't get more support and the city of Flint wasn't more friendly to them. And as you know, they had to sue Carbon Ainsworth School District for uh, $40 million because they had overtaxed their properties and stuff like that. So that was a lot of Animosity against General Motors, and instead of the people who was leading the city, joined in a way possible to keep those jobs here, so that young people of a different generation would have access to those jobs. They didn't. They paid politics. And well, so, uh, General Motors you know, says uh, General, and I remember when they said this,
4: Henry. A lot and, of and people was, paint the the Flint uh, political. Canvas as a uh, three-legged stool, uh, mm-hmm. identifying uh, General Motors, the Mott Foundation, and uh, the City of the Flint Mayor's office as yeah as, office. as being the three legs. I would add yes. a fourth leg to that okay. stool, yeah. and that would be the UAW. Yeah. Absolutely,
5: oh. absolutely.
4: And absolutely. I, yeah, the UAW I think, was
1: always uh, part absolutely. of it, but they were supporting. General Motors, interest,
3: And I
4: think the battle between General Motors in in Flint and Detroit and and other urban manufacturing cities was more of a war between the companies and the unions than it was with the local governments. Well, uh, government,
1: there's nothing beyond government.
4: When you have a good
1: government, things will stabilize, and you can move. You can move other entities around. Because the government is doing what it needs to do. And it, not, not everybody will be winners in this situation. But you have to the thing that you think you, is you, best for the people who live you, here.
5: You know, I'm, I'm ready to move on because obviously, you know, there is no— Henry. I thought he had a smoking gun uh, or something, uh, you know, this sort of revisionist history. The reality is, and, you know, I don't need to, to do this on this show, believe me. But when when someone makes such a BS... But I ask you not say, no, to I, go there. I, I mean, you know, it's... It, 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 well, you know, you, you, you're making empty-headed...
1: And no, now you're but you're attacking Motors, me all the time.
5: If you look at... you're attacking me all the time. Be quiet for a second. General Motors was never turned down for tax abatement during... My tenure in office, never,
4: and that's ever. a subject we could spend some time talking about. Would right, exactly. <laughs> but, um, but I think there are a lot of people who, um and and I understand why you wanted to take a minute and and uh, unpack that a little bit. That that comment that Henry made earlier about you yeah. driving General Motors out. um I, I think there are he a was lot of part people of the process. He was the last big mayor. That had
1: dominion
4: over the process. I I, I think the uh, the belief that um, that the the mayor's office has a role to play and that the buck stops there. You were you were in the office at the time, and there are probably a lot of people would who think you know that more could have or should have been done uh, to to keep them here. But my feeling, since you asked for my opinion. Has always been that the war was primarily between the unions and uh, uh, between the, right. the companies and the unions.
5: Does anybody know uh, the name Robert, Dr. Robin Widgery?
4: Absolutely. Oh yes I do. Sure. He lives in okay. Grand Blanc, a great okay, friend of you mine. Know,
5: now, now, Dr. Robin Widgery would be not my voice but his voice if, if you know I don't know if Robin is still with us or not but um, but if if, if, if he were, his voice would be the one that I would commend to Henry because he
1: no, could all you have to do is read Robin's books.
5: And he tell you I bet you yeah, he, Robin knows a lot I of bet books. I bet you Woodrow Stanley be quiet for a second, please. I bet you Woodrow Stanley's name is not in there saying he calls. because Empty-headed comments like yours, General Motors was leaving Flint long before I was even eligible. That's exactly vote.
2: the point. Did, 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 speaking of books, that Highsmith book, Demo, was it Demolition Means Progress, yeah. when was the last time a GM plant was built in, within the city boundaries of, the, of Flint? I mean, you've got to go back to, what, the 60s or the 50s? No, you're out. Now,
1: there's cause and effect. The people rose up over environmental, environmental racism where they were putting, yeah, moving blacks yeah. into areas where there was incredible smoke and putting dumps around their areas and stuff like that. So General Motors had to make some business decisions.
5: I'm done. Uh, they, they were they, going to put a factory property, up on UGN Stanley Road and George Highway.
3: And, and
1: yeah. the, the controversy in Flint uh, niched that uh, opportunity. That was uh, you guys may not remember. those was discussions.
5: Buick City Henry. Did I drive that out of Flint?
1: Uh, Buick City is a part of uh, Buick Motor Division. Did I
5: drive it out of Flint?
1: It, well, the whole thing went out of Flint.
5: Did I drive it out of Flint?
1: You probably did. Oh,
5: okay. You, you were right.
1: encouraged. There as, were there were I actions said, that you I, took, took I, I
5: said, that
1: didn't is, have, have to, we didn't of have of to lose it. General. Stop being so defensive. You were the, the one that Indiana. wanted to talk about this. I'm <laughs> sorry, I'm you, getting I, no place.
5: I wanted you to speak. You said you were an a- academic.
1: Yes, I am.
5: But there's a there's another thing on the back of that academic. There's another out. degree. It's an, it starts with an A H. <laughs>
1: oh, that's okay. But that's what you always call me when I. <laughs> You know, you were the yeah, most, one have, of the I most popular people at Clio School when we had out the of black history. Who drove you uh, out of
5: Flint? Who drove Buick you City know out of
1: Flint? Uh, he's being so defensive now I can't talk.
5: No, But when I invited
1: him to uh, Clio schools and we had we had a black history there, All it right, was so
5: successful. Can we move on? Yeah. Uh, he doesn't want to
1: hear that. But he was one of the, the kids sent this man. Tremendous numbers of letters and cards appreciating who he was as Mayor Flint. And so was I. But you know something? He never returned that. Even to this day, he's never returned that. Thank you. I'm all done.
4: Yeah. <laughs> you know I'm always happy to set the... Uh... My notes aside, when we get into a good discussion, but I have a feeling that this discussion, because it has a lot of moving parts, you know, is city government and ultimately the mayor holding office at the time, you know, a player in these events? Yeah, probably. But, you know, so is uh, the development of technology that makes it possible to, to build these things with robots, which required the building of new facilities and uh you know general motors on more than one occasion started looking for locations where yes. uh the UAW didn't exist mm-hmm. and and so And you guys
1: you know uh, the, uh, my last point here is the how we divide how we became a city divided between black and whites that was also part of
4: the scenario one of the problems that flipped And then there has, was the recall where black people didn't support their mayor there that's um, i'm sorry and, this move on is, no 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 i just I, I, I just, just want to add now. something because i think you,
5: somebody must have advised henry you got to stand up to Woodrow, Henry, you,
6: because,
5: man, it, you, you <laughs> seem like you have there no ain't nothing there that, to
6: stand up to.
4: You've
6: got to have something I, of substance to, you. to stand Henry, up to. Henry, don't
5: get pushed around. You make sure that you bring up all of this stupid stuff. <laughs>
4: okay. Man, well, let me just, wow. let me just add Thank something. You. We're,
1: we're not serving the audience, and they should be mad at me because I did that. I didn't want to do that. No, For no, years, no. I didn't want to do that. Um, but Stanley drove me to it.
4: No, I think we just
1: criticized me every time I'm on the
4: show. I think we just went from I think we just went from 12 to 14 listeners. Um, But I I just wanted to add something, uh, some a a thought that I've had over the years about Flint and and the the racial division. I, I think Flint has always been a tale of two cities, whether it was black and white, labor or management. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's been this divide in, in business and, and society. And, and Flint has always had sort of that, that sense of us against them in all walks of life. And it's, it's made Flint kind of a tough town, um, made it resilient in a lot of ways, but we have to take a break here. We'll come back. But it
1: also made us part of the middle class.
4: I agree. We I, I
1: agree with that. So you can't, you can't change my mind on that.
4: No, no, and I wouldn't try. We are going to take a short break, and we'll come back, and we'll talk about uh, Washington politics because they're uh, maybe a Hello little there. less contentious.
0: I know this is a really hard time for everyone. We're facing a killer virus, economic pain, and all the frustrations of being cooped up at home. Believe me, I have two teenagers to deal with. But the worst thing we can do is let up now, triggering a second coronavirus wave that causes more death and economic chaos. What you're doing is working. You're saving lives. So let's all hang in there. And please, stay home and stay safe.
1: The Tom Sumner Program.com.
0: The Tom Sumner Program.com.
6: Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
4: Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue with our weekly roundtable, Armchair Politics, on the Tom Sumner Program, featuring our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Woodrow Stanley. Welcome back, everybody. Good to be here. That's yes, right. Thank you. Uh, many, if not most, state office workers may never fully return to their desks once the coronavirus pandemic is over, meaning the state can significantly reduce the amount of space it leases in Lansing, Detroit, and elsewhere. The savings resulting from state employees working from home are starting to show up in state budgets, including Governor Gretchen Whitmer's 2022 budget to be presented to the legislature on Thursday. But those savings are now expected to extend well beyond the life of the coronavirus pandemic. The remote work that was forced by COVID-19 is dubbed Tailing with a uh, goal that preceded the pandemic of reducing the nearly 5 million square feet, the state leases at an annual cost of about $80 million, according to Bronn Stibitz, the director of the Department of Technology Management and Budget. The move to remote working even after shared office space is again safe from the fear of spreading the coronavirus is happening not just in state government but in the private sector too it means taxpayers could reap big savings on lease and occupancy costs but cities could see major harm to their central business districts where office building owners and the restaurants and other businesses that cater to office workers also pay a significant share of taxes. What are some of the economic implications of the impending new normal?
2: Well, I think I there's think some of those. I think the idea of working at home, we're going to be less commuting, less eating out probably, uh, maybe more buying things through you know, Amazon-style operations. Uh, no, I, it's, it's looking like so even after the pandemic is gone, We're going to see some real meaningful changes for maybe better or worse. I mean, there will be some pros and cons of all of these things, I believe. But uh, there is a certain convenience about uh, working from home, if nothing else.
1: Well, that doesn't mean that everything is going to be perfect and everything is going to be good. Because if you uh, just think about how we're upsetting the economic, the political, uh, the cultural uh, systems as we're doing this. Many people will move out of the cities. Buildings will close. Uh, less building in cities. Uh, people will be harder to, to bring to the table because part of the success of business is having people sit at the table so that you can share their discussions and in honesty and stuff like that. We're going to lose that. Uh, so there, there are a lot of things that, we, that are just evolving, and we need to wait and see how they're going to evolve. We can predict them, but we, yet in the last analysis, we don't know how they will come out because any proposition you bring before a thinking body will take off in its own way and find its own destination.
2: Yeah, I've I've heard one of the big losers may be the airlines because one of the bigger sources of their revenue was the business class travel. And as businesses rely more and more on Zoom meetings and less and less on people flying around the country to meet, that that may have some real impact on the airline business.
5: Yeah. You know, you've already mentioned this, but just the whole flow of development, particularly development in core cities, uh and this story, obviously, right now it, this is all conjecture on what that that reordering is gonna look like. But but there's gonna be tremendous, tremendous impact. Uh when it all shakes out, I don't know. It may it may end up that it'll 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 shake out in a way that uh is favorable uh to core communities and the like. I you know, but but certainly you've had uh, certain ways that this development process has gone, and some of it uh, started to be more favorable to core cities and so forth. Now you're going to have a reordering, and I, I don't know. It, this is um, yeah. This I is keep thinking about the to-
4: the domino effect caused uh, at Genesee Towers when Genesee Bank moved its headquarters out. Yeah, y- you know that was the end. It it took a few years, sure, but you know if we start seeing, you know, companies that no longer need high rises in cent in center city business districts, whether it's Flint or Detroit or Cleveland or Chicago or or whatever, you, you know, you start losing a dozen or fifteen office buildings in a downtown area. It it has a a real impact and, and I think that's possible. What do we what do we do instead? Well
1: what we're gonna do is have a lot of deserts in our landscape. You're gonna leave the cities uh like Flint, for example, in Detroit, isolated from the rest of the world. Uh so uh, they will become... <laughs>
4: is is the downtown productive. farmer's market going to start growing its own produce? In <laughs> <90s>? <laughs> <laughs> and that could
1: be the case. And, and guys, ironically, good. we need everybody at the table. Uh, there won't be a, a, an incident where all of a sudden the man on top will now descend to the bottom. We need all people at the table working for common cause.
2: Well, and Henry, could that, could that see. make a case for consolidating local governments instead of having
1: oh you know, yes all yes. these small little cities
2: were, and townships all yeah. over the place?
1: What yeah, that would probably consolidate
2: those. Yeah, yes.
1: And uh, then those who are dominant now will be dominant then.
5: Well, so you have the micro situation with the Flint's and, and the like, but you have a a macro of the same problem or same challenge, I should say, with the New York City, for instance.
3: Sure. Uh,
5: or, or, or San Francisco, or someone mentioned Chicago. They're grappling with the same issue, but at a much larger scale. Uh, that uh, Because remember, you've had all of these investments in the status quo, so to speak. And the status quo is not the status we don't even know what the status quo is now it is being changed right before our eyes.
4: well, that's why I say we keep hearing about a new normal and and we're not really sure what that's gonna look like and and then trying to you know plan for the economic adjustment there will be one, but any ideas on what that might look like how we might you know how our cities gonna going raise money if if they don't have these taxable There's, entities um, making Mitch up the Metropolitan
1: government, like
4: metropolitan well, government that's like, uh,
1: was suggested uh-huh. already. But a lot, a lot yet depends on what will happen in Singapore and Shanghai, and which now is becoming the world's largest governmental system. They have more... Uh, talented students than we have students in this country. And they we're going to see a dominance like we've never seen before. And uh, our kids are not keeping abreast of what's going on in, uh, in, the, in Asia.
4: Well, remember, oh, Mayor... Uh, besides, we don't have the numbers. Former Mayor Dane Walling advocated when he was mayor for... Um, Increasing the uh, the city income tax on people from outside the city who came into the city to work. Um, mm-hmm. They've and, always and, done that. I've always been taxed. But he was um, advocating an increase in that yeah. tax, and and justifying it, saying you know that. Uh, they don't live in the city and pay other taxes. And there, there were all these rationales for raising it. But, but that begs the question are we going to be looking at um, funding city government with higher personal income taxes by city residents and those who come into the city to make a living? I don't think we're going to have as many of those if we go to this, you know, Zoom, you know, if, if all of a sudden everything's a Zoom town. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I, I, since yeah. the
1: time of Rome and Greece, cities were very, very important, as they are today. Cities are very important. People must be at arm's length when you're deciding something or when you're working together. Like people who work on the line, they can't be home and do what they do.
4: They've got to be physically present. Well, but if if we end up with robots doing that and people sitting in front of screens doing the management from I don't believe you went there <laughs> from 40 no. miles away. Um, but but that's but that's you know we have to we have to face these things as yeah. as they approach. Otherwise, um, you know, we go broke and wonder why.
1: Yeah, and, and while you see the robots doing a job, you say, that's me right there. Yeah, but I think cities home. are still
2: going to have the, the, the cultural appeal. I mean, there's still going to be a, a, a need for cultural cultural museums, for yes. symphony orchestras, and I don't yes. think Zoom's going to replace all of that. So no. that'll, that'll still be an appeal for both having cities and living near and near those kind of attractions uh, that, in large part, only cities can offer.
1: Yeah, and, and the guys, the, the schools, the young people, want yeah. to move into cities. Young whites from the outside district, this is if the information that I have.
2: If, you're, you're, um, you're, you're, they want to the move into thing,
1: cities to be closer uh, to schools, to banks, uh, yeah. to uh, theaters and stuff like that. And that's innocent.
2: No, Henry, you make a good point about the schools. I mean, I know... Whether if the schools are good, that can be a great attraction for any local government. And if they're bad, it can be a great, great motive for moving out of a city uh, yes. as well. And that, that, that can matter an awful lot. That's a good point.
4: But the Durant if, Hotel was, but if a business was doesn't, created for that purpose. If a business doesn't have to have a bricks-and-mortar presence, attracting businesses to a city doesn't have the same economic outcome. Yeah. You no. Know, yeah.
1: You have to bring. You have to have them people come in with their wealth and their kids, the smart kids, well-educated kids, to help.
4: Well, we've always wanted companies anytime. that would come in and build businesses or factories yeah. or something, right? Not to just have a post office box. Right. I agree.
1: So we'll have to have a lot of discussion on how we move from here. You know, what kind of public policy should we be supporting to save Flint from itself?
5: And other cities. The, larger, the larger question is not just Flint; it is urban uh, communities. Period, and it's not.
4: I didn't mean to just. Uh, this won't be a, a
5: Genesee County discussion. No, no, we action. use
4: we uh, ha, we use Flint a lot because we're here, and I know, you know more about Flint. We know it best, but you're right, Wood. This is this is a, a national, if not global, evolution that I think we need to get a hold of or we're going to be grabbing it by the tail. Well, I've
5: benefited from being involved with a lot of national organizations and statewide organizations, so I I know that um, all of the knowledge is, in, is not in Flint or Genesee County, and nor are all of the problems. Well, that's true. Well, we don't, I, I'm, not, I'm not
1: being defensive here, but I'm letting you know what I believe based on my experience and what I read and who I believe in. So um, I, I do believe that we do have to have some candid conversations about this issue that we're talking about. How do we get our kids ready to challenge other kids and other school district to be as good or better than they are. How do we do that? Flint has a long ways behind that discussion.
4: And you know, know what? You know what's sad about that is that we started from a position way ahead. Yeah. Yes. At the best. Well, when I first came to Flint, Flint people
2: said, "Oh, they got yeah. that great school." So everybody yes. in the country yeah. had heard about the Flint schools. Oh, and everybody should be
1: college graduates as well, because the Mott Foundation, what they did, and, and General yeah. Moses Corporation did, and the, the cultural centers did, should have made all of us culturally uh, beneficial to the city. But we have to go back and rework that to make sure our kids, and particularly kids that look like me, they've got to do a better job.
4: Well, Louisiana Senator, I'm going to change subjects and and, uh, move on to some, some national politics. Louisiana Senator Bill Cassidy on Sunday stood by his vote to convict Donald Trump during the former president's second impeachment trial, defending his decision against a censure from his state's GOP and arguing that Trump's power within the larger party will weaken Cassidy is one of the latest Republicans to face backlash from his home party as the National Republican Party faces its own internal conflicts in the wake of the November election and debate over how Trump's tenure and its controversial final days fit within the GOP's legacy. Will Trump's power over the GOP weaken in in time for the 2022 midterm elections?
1: Trump does not have power over the DOP any more than Biden has power over the Democratic Party.
2: I he's just a a, uh,
1: candidate.
2: I don't know. You look at some of those votes, Henry, lately. I mean, I still well, uh, fate. Look of at Biden's vote. I, I don't know. Even
1: say the same thing. But, guys, the party it will survive long after Trump. And, and you know, point. and I'm, I'm a Trump supporter. And, and I said I supported Trump to the best of my ability. And I did that. But now we gotta look at things as things change, and and they will change, and we have to redirect the thinking.
5: I made a point four years ago, and I stand by it today. Matter of fact, with greater evidence that the Republican Party is now the Trump cult, it uh, hasn't officially changed its name, and it doesn't make any difference how much we try and wiggle and get out of the political straitjacket. The reality is. I mean, you know, they are I would much prefer that we have a real two party system like the more moderate uh, Republican Party and the Democratic Party more uh, towards the center. But but there's a reality. The Republican Party is captured by uh, a large segment of white supremacist kind of. Okay. Yeah, White but
1: supremacists I, I, are also in the Democratic Party, and they're I, they're surrounding me.
4: That's 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 true, Henry. And and would I, I, I think I want to um, add to what you said that a lot of those people were brought into the Republican Party, and they are loyal to Donald Trump, not the party.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
4: And I and I think Henry's right that there will be a Republican Party that will survive Donald Trump. The the problem is is that it's tried I think too hard to be a big tent to in in this case maybe the wrong people.
2: Well, the Uh, Republican Party has a third party emerging here.
4: The
1: Republican Party right now has to be cautious that it doesn't drive away that 170 million people. It's got to have a plan so that you don't ostracize those people. They're part of the American population. They have a right to have their own. No, I, I can, I can, see, right I can see a
2: third party emerging by 2024, and the question is whether the third party will be the Trump Party or the traditional Republican Party.
1: And, and that's sure okay. Over,
2: and know? that's
1: okay. I have no problem with that. But I will decide who I support, not Democrats, not Republicans. I will decide that.
4: Here's um, a, a thing from CNN that talks about uh, Trump's influence over the party and the uh, uh, midterm elections, and and I think they left something out. I'll see what you guys think. Arkansas Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin departed the 2022 governor's race Monday, opting instead to run for attorney general in a move that signals former White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders' strength. Just two weeks after she announced her campaign, Griffin's exit underscores the hold former President Donald Trump, who quickly endorsed Huckabee Sanders' bid, continues to have on the Republican Party, even out of office and removed from his favorite social media platforms. Just two weeks ago, Griffin told CNN in an interview that he planned to defeat Huckabee Sanders on substance and that he'd be ready for the job of governor on his first day in office, and no one else is, he said. However, even out of office, Trump remains hugely influential in Republican politics. His quick endorsement of his former aide, as well as Huckabee Sanders' standing as the daughter of a former governor, led Republican operatives to believe she was the heavy favorite. Doesn't the fact that she is extremely well-known also play a significant role in her being a, quote, heavy favorite? And
1: he, uh,
4: that's true yeah,
1: sure. and not only that but she had a strong independent voice when she spoke for the president she was independent sometimes she sided with him very closely and other times she was a little
5: ambivalent I'm sorry I, I, I'm trying to contain myself but we'll go right ahead
2: I'm trying to recall the, the, uh, the other the ambivalence part <laughs> but anyhow uh, I mean the press secretary's job is to be out there and speak for the president for better or worse that was that's mm-hmm. what she did
5: i thought she did an excellent job of
4: speaking for the president yes she did and, well, okay, and that, was her, yeah, a, that was not her job
1: that was her right. job and that, not an easy she, if was. she had been a democratic person in that position she would have done a good job
4: that's how good she was oh she would have she would have been I, I can't imagine Having that job, and and especially with Donald Trump, who, you know, oh, if they yeah. they would decide on on what the the company line was. She would go out and and pitch it, and ten minutes later, Trump is saying something else on Twitter. Exactly. You know, yeah. undermining her constantly, and she still managed yeah. to yeah. to function in the job, and, <laughs> and and to you know hold at at least some dignity and, and some respect from the press corps. I was I was impressed with her. <laughs>
1: she could have been I, a good Democrat as well.
5: <laughs> I was impressed with the fact that she she told the line. I, I, w- I was absolutely impressed. I was not impressed. Yeah, she, she, she did her
2: job. You give her credit right. for that. Yeah. that much. Yeah. Yeah. I
5: give her but she did
4: But she did it a lot of times when the chair was being pulled out from under her. Oh yeah, well, yeah. oh, that's true. That's
5: true. Yeah. but but I, you know, again, back to to Henry's point. This I will agree with him on. I haven't had a uh, press person for a, a lot of years. Obviously, uh, they get their marching orders, and you don't expect uh, a press person to be an independent voice. I think I heard Henry say she was independent. No, she wasn't. I said
1: she maintained a certain amount of
5: independence she uh, was, when she, when the she president was, was, when the president of the president, yes. which is, yes. was her job. And, yeah. and, she, and she did, did that well. Job. She, she did, did it well. Yes. She wasn't independent. Well,
1: nobody can be independent. You've got to work for your boss. You've got to do what your boss says. I don't know whether you've ever had a boss or not, but uh, I have. <laughs> Every,
4: everybody works for somebody. That's right. right. Oh, <laughs> well. Which, which actually reminds me, we have a short break coming up here, <laughs> speaking of everybody working for somebody, um, and we'll come back. I, I can't believe how fast the time has gone. And, uh, oh, it's gone by. I, I, I left a few Today things. especially, yeah. I set a few things aside, but it's it's been such a... Uh, uh, I don't know how to even describe this new year. It was—I um, I saw a meme where the calendar for 2020 was uh, uh, next to the calendar for 2021, and calendar 2021 said, "Here, hold my beer."
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> about it
4: yeah. and, and it certainly has started out that way Anyway, we're going to take a short break Let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in edgewise Or do whatever they do when we go to break If you're uh, streaming us At TomSumnerProgram.com We have some messages as well And then we'll come back with uh, with my favorite part Of armchair politics The X-Files
3: Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown comic.
4: And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now, and now, and now too, and even now.
6: The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Be sure dishes are washed in hot water or the dishwasher before anyone else uses them. Stay aware of how you feel. If you start to have difficulty breathing or if you're worried about your health, call your doctor. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind
3: one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right.
2: Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight
6: Zone. Yeah. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone... I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. In the Twilight Zone.
0: Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're
1: listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
4: Welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the final segment of today's edition of Armchair Politics. Locks of George and Martha Washington's hair, Andrew Johnson's order of a national day of mourning after Abraham Lincoln's assassination, and the pen that Warren Harding used to end U.S. involvement in World War One, are among a trove of nearly 300 presidential artifacts hitting the auction block by uh, boston-based rr auction said online bidding uh, got underway thursday and runs through february 18th which included president's day other items being auctioned include john f kennedy's crimson harvard sweater and a photograph of Lincoln and his son, Tad, signed by the 16th president. There are also numerous documents and personal papers signed by John Quincy Adams, James Monroe, James Madison, Andrew Jackson, Martin Van Buren, Zachary Taylor, Millard Fillmore, James Buchanan, Ulysses S. Grant, James Garfield, and other presidents. R.R. auction spokesperson Mike Graff said the collection honors America's esteemed Commanders-in-Chief. These are fairly aged artifacts. Any thoughts on some more contemporary presidential artifacts that may eventually hit the auction block, like Carter's cardigan or Nixon's White House tapes, Clinton's cigar, etc.?
2: Oh, The blue dress for Clinton, (laughs) for
5: Monica's. (laughs) Wow. Um, Mm. Let's see here.
2: I'm trying to think of something for Trump. What was, what was Fitz? Um, uh,
5: um A golf
4: tee? Uh, yeah,
2: I think it's some kind of a golf accessory. Golf clubs, golf bags, something uh, like that. I don't know. Yeah.
4: Maybe his cell phone.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, sweet. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Yeah. And, uh... mm. Wow.
5: Hmm.
4: Okay. Here's well, maybe
2: maybe maybe, uh, maybe Trump's hair dye. <laughs> <If> we, <laughs> we have an actual bottle of that someplace, place. That'll that'll go out the, the Smithsonian <laughs> Smithsonian Institute.
4: Well, a Florida man stole an engagement ring and wedding bands from a girlfriend and used them to propose to another girlfriend, according to authorities. Uh, Volusia County uh, Sheriff's deputies said Thursday they have issued an arrest warrant for Joseph Davis, 48, who had not been found as of Friday. Their investigation started earlier this year when a young woman from Orange City, Florida, told detectives she had discovered her boyfriend was actually engaged to someone else. When he looked up the uh, fiance's Facebook page, she noticed a photo of her wearing a wedding band and engagement ring that was identical to her own from a prior marriage. (laughs) This, um, This is according to the Sheriff's Office. When the Orange City woman checked her jewelry box, she found her rings were missing, as were several other pieces of jewelry, including a diamond ring that belonged to her grandmother. The total value of the stolen property was about $6,270, according to the Sheriff's Office. The Orange City woman reached out to the fiancé, who returned some of the items, and they both called it off with Davis, who also went by the names Joe Brown and Marcus Brown, the Sheriff's Office said. (laughs) The fiancé, who lives in Orlando, told detectives she had been duped, too. Is it appropriate to read? Gift, engagement, and wedding rings?
1: (laughs) Why not? You're saving money. (laughs) (laughs) You only want to give those gifts to
2: someone that you love and respect. I wonder if they have Valentine cards for those kind of situations. I don't
4: know. Oh, let's see. Um... Well, pigs are highly intelligent creatures, and a study released on Thursday has revealed that they're skilled gamers, too. Published in the journal Frontiers in Psychology, the paper is the culmination of extensive research into pig intelligence that began in the 90s by scientists working with Stanley Curtis, a legendary swine researcher, who died in 2010. It was co-authored by Candace Crony, director of Purdue University's Center for Animal Welfare Science, and Sarah Boysen, a professor of psychology at Ohio State University, renowned for her research into chimpanzees. The paper highlights two Yorkshire pigs named Hamlet and Omelet. And two uh, Pain Pinto micro pigs often uh, used in research and usually weighing about 50 to 70 pounds named Ebony and Ivory all of whom were kept at Pennsylvania State University. The pigs were trained at a rudimentary joystick operated video game task that had originally been created to test chimpanzees and rhesus monkeys. They learned how to manipulate a joystick with their snouts to move a computer cursor across a screen. Once they maneuvered the cursor to hit a wall, a treat dispenser connected to the joystick would deliver a snack. The game had varying difficulty levels and the number of walls that appeared on screen decreased from four to one. The pigs, all of whom uh, were far-sighted, eventually excelled at the game, though their performance varied at the higher difficulty levels, Ivory hit the one-walled target an impressive six, 76% of the time, for instance. Hamlet and Omelet were also forced to retire after 12 weeks of training because they had grown too large to stand long enough to compete or complete sessions. If pigs can operate a joystick, does that mean that someday pigs might fly? <laughs>
1: we've seen that happen in cartoons
4: <laughs> Yeah. well let's see if there's any more animal stuff i think i can squeeze one more in here um, yeah a koala has been rescued after causing a five-car pile-up while trying to cross a six-lane freeway in southern australia Police said the crash in heavy Monday morning traffic in the city of Adelaide caused some injuries but no one required an ambulance. The animal's rescuer said she got out of her car to investigate what had caused the pileup. Nadia Tugwell, with her coat in hand, teamed up with a stranger clutching a blanket in a bid to capture the marsupial. A concrete highway divider had blocked the koala's crossing. Once the koala was in her trunk, Tugwell drove to a gas station to turn the animal over to wildlife rescuers. In the interim, the koala was able to climb from the trunk into her SUV's cabin. It decided to come to the front toward me, so I said, Okay, you stay here, I'll get out, she said. It it started sitting for a while on the steering wheel as if saying, Let's go for a drive, and that's when I started she said that's when I started taking photos. Tugwell said she had learned from past experience how to calm koalas by covering their eyes. She lives near a eucalyptus forest uh, outside Adelaide and has twice called animal handlers to rescue koalas injured in fights with other koalas. The koala later was released in a forest well away from the freeway. Should there be more koala crossings in Australia? (laughs) <laughs>
1: I'm very <fairly> sorry, yeah,
4: <laughs> yeah, keeps down the the speed, and I wonder if uh, going for a ride is a good way to calm koalas. It always worked with my kids, <laughs>
2: <laughs>
4: yeah, I, I think that it works for most of our kids,
2: uh seems like the dogs like to hang their head out the window and get the fresh air, and that seems to work well for them
4: too, yeah, that's true, that's true, um. Any other final thoughts? We have about one minute left, and uh, we're wrapping up today's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner program. And before we get those final comments, and I want to make sure to say thank you to uh, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, the Roundtable Regulars. Thank you, gentlemen.
2: It's always good to be here and always great discussion from Wednesday mornings. I always look forward to it.
4: And I'd
1: like to say I uh, apologize to uh, Woodrow Stanley. I've always wanted him to treat me like I was a part of him, equal to him, not subservient. And I think I got that behind me today, and I will never talk
5: about this again.
4: And Woodrow Stanley, thank you so much. It's always a, a pleasure when you join us.
5: Absolutely. I enjoy it.
4: Well, that wraps it up for today's edition of Armchair Politics. Uh, Thank you, uh, gentlemen. This has been uh, an interesting week, to be sure, already, Uh, starting Sunday with Valentine's Day. And Monday we did a special President's Day thing. Had a little Mardi Gras fun yesterday and, of course, Armchair Politics today. And the fun continues. I'll be back tomorrow morning uh, at 9 o'clock with another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And I hope you'll uh, join me for that as well. Uh, In the meantime, stay warm, and uh, hope your power stays on, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Good night, everybody.
0: The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show.